Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three. This uh, passage of scripture has eaten me for about two months now. While leading a, a, a national leadership group for the Church of God online, we do a little online clusters. Uh, this this uh, two verses out of this scripture was our focus scripture, and I saw it in a way I had never seen it before. I'd seen it a million times in my life. And when I read this scripture to you, you're gonna go, oh yeah, I've heard that. But I've, I saw it in that meeting that night in a very different way, and it changed how I looked at my situation. And I wanted to share it with you. So let's start at Philippians chapter three, starting at verse 13. It says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal. That's what I'd heard all of my life. Every Christian football coach, I had some of them, Every Christian football coach and baseball coach that I had, they would say, all right, that first half, it wasn't great. But we forget what lies behind and we press on toward the goal. We're going to go out there and get them the second half. It was a pep talk. And I heard it a thousand times and I've seen it on posters around uh, schools and in different places and churches. And I've seen that scripture over and over and over again. And I'm like, yeah. So when we got there that night in that leadership cluster, and I said, hey, that's good stuff. And then it went further. But it reminded me personally of a story. When talking about looking behind, it reminded me personally of a story. There was this really cool guy back in Winchester, Kentucky, where I'm from. He drove a really cool car, new, shiny, black, sparkly car, right? And he's driving out this long country road to his girlfriend's house, he was a cool dude. I mean, cool car, cool front vanity plate on the car because he had a cool job. He was a firefighter and a paramedic. He was one cool dude, and some of you know me, and you know I'm talking about me, right? <laughs> and he's driving out this country road, and unlike roads in Florida, we had curves, in those roads, like a lot, like curves that go up and down and left and right. And he's driving out, oh, that's me. I'm driving out this road. And uh, I, as I'm driving out in my cool, black, shiny car, okay, it was a Dodge Neon. It wasn't all that cool. <laughs> but it was black and shiny and new, and it was mine. The first one I ever bought on my own because I had a cool job now. And I was driving out that road and the ambulance passed me. <laughs> Lights, sirens going. And it reminded me how cool I was because I ride that on my days on. I ride that same very one, the EC1. That was my ambulance. <laughs> I'm cool. That's so awesome. It reminded me of who I was. It was really cool. So I'm driving out this road. And just while I'm thinking about how cool I was going out to see this super cute girl, who lived way out in the country. I had been admiring her from afar because she lived far away. Uh, I've been admiring her from afar for a long time. But over the last uh, year and a half or so, uh, I had caught her eye and it was a good thing. And I was cool because I was headed out to see my girlfriend and uh, my phone rang and I picked up my phone 
And uh, it was the battalion chief at the fire department. And uh, she said, hey, are you headed out that country road that I know you head out a lot like every day when you're off every single day? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not out there yet, but, but I'm going that way. She says, oh, good. She said, can you stop and help EC1? Can you stop and help that ambulance? All of our other trucks are tied up. They have no backup and they have a code 500. That code 500, that was a cardiac arrest for us. They have a 15-year-old boy in full cardiac arrest. Can you stop and help them? And I said, heck yeah, I can stop and help them. Because I was always taught responsibility, response is when something's needed. An ability, do you have the opportunity to fulfill the need? That's responsibility. And I'm like, well, heck yeah, I'm right there. So I slammed on the gas of this cool, black, shiny Dodge Neon. On the front of this Dodge Neon, it was so cool. You could see me coming. I had this license plate, had a big red Maltese cross. Yeah, I was young and dumb. And it said, ain't no man like a fireman. That's what it said. That's how cool it was. It's getting dust, so the people around me couldn't really see it very well, so they didn't know who I was coming. But I could see taillights of a car in front of me, and I was approaching it rapidly because I stepped on the gas pretty good. And I was approaching it rapidly, and I looked around in front of them. I looked to see if nobody's coming. Nobody was coming. Didn't matter if he did. I was going so fast, it didn't really matter if somebody's coming. I was going to beat them around there anyway. <laughs> Out around them, back in front of them. I passed them so quick that their car kind of swerved on the road. And I looked up in the rearview mirror, and I could almost see in those two ladies' eyes in the car how cool they thought that dude was in the black car that just fast now. He's going so fast in that cool, shiny black car. Actually, I saw that they regained control of my awesomeness driving by them because they swerved a little bit. And I saw that they regained control and I'm thinking, that's cool. And as I'm looking at those two ladies and they're looking at me, I don't think they look as happy as I do. And I don't know what they're seeing, but I'm seeing cool. And then I turn around and see what they're seeing and it's a big deer right in front of me. You know how they talk about in accidents, everything slows down really, really slow? It slowed really, really slow because I could see big deer. Big deer. In Kentucky, we have big deer. We don't have like little deer like the size of dogs like we have here. In Kentucky, we have big deer, and this is a big doe. Now, I had hunted for 16 years and never killed a deer until this night. <laughs> so I knew what they looked like. I just never had but I, boom, in slow motion, I hit that deer. And in slow motion, things started to transpire. In slow motion, I'm thinking, I hope she didn't hit that cool plate on the front of my car. <laughs> I'm hoping it didn't tear up my grill. Oh, no, this is going to be bad. I had been a paramedic for some time now, and I had seen wrecks where people would hit animals. And sometimes they were really bad, especially when the deer's that big. And I can see, boom, she hits on my hood, boom. And you know how every pastor talks about when they meet a life situation and they're like, oh, that's really cool. That'll preach, right? In slow motion, I'm reaching over in the seat beside me, grabbing my notepad saying, this'll preach. Don't look in the rearview mirror and miss what's in front of you. She hits in a slow motion, all this stuff starts to change around me. 
and I realize I was focusing in the wrong direction. My gaze was in the rearview mirror. I stayed there a little bit too long because I wanted to see what was behind me. That happened last night too. <laughs> I move around way too much up here. So. I stayed in the rearview mirror a little bit too long and that's what Paul's warning about here. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straightening forward to what lies ahead. You see, Paul was a really good writer. Paul followed good writing format to where he would state his claim, he would spell it out, and then he would close with that conclusion that really drove his point home. Well, to see what Paul is talking about, we have to back up in the scripture to see that what Paul's talking about of forgetting what is behind. So if you will, back up with me to verse four. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Paul was, he was confident. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. Paul is saying, forget what lies behind. Paul is saying, whatever you have to boast about, I have more. Whatever you have to boast about in the flesh, however good you are, whatever title you've earned, how many ever deals you've closed, how many ever millions of dollars you made, it doesn't matter what you have to brag about, I have more. What is Paul talking about? Paul was born a Jew. Part of the chosen of God. He was also a Roman citizen. This was very uncommon. Paul had both. He was justified by the Spirit and by the law. Paul's the man. Paul had obtained the title of Pharisee. He had attained the title of Pharisee because of his study under a man named Gamaliel. Gamaliel was considered the most intelligent of Pharisees. He was the guy that all the other Pharisees listened to. He was what Paul became to the churches, Gamaliel was to the Pharisees. He was the guy that they all listened to. Paul was the guy who had built missionaries, taught them, planted churches, and became probably the greatest Outside of Jesus, the greatest church leader of his time. He was known everywhere. Whatever you have to boast of in the flesh, I have more. Gamaliel followed, or Paul followed Gamaliel, and Gamaliel was the guy who stood before the Sanhedrin. When Peter and John were on trial in the Sanhedrin, and 
Gamaliel said, hey, let them go. Now, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees council, they, they didn't really like these guys preaching Jesus. But Gamaliel was the guy who spoke up and said, let them go. Because if what they're doing is from God, we can't stop them. But if what they're doing is not from God, it will die on its own. That's wisdom. And Paul learned from that guy. Paul had it all. Hey, that rhymes. Paul had it all. He had everything he needed. And he said, I count that as rubbish. So sitting next to you are people who have acclaimed, who have acquired titles and money and, and maybe fame even in this room. Look at your neighbor next to you and say, that's garbage. Because that's what Paul's saying, it's garbage. No matter what you've got, you've got to forget it. Now for us, when we remember things, it usually takes us back to the negative. The beat down, the depressing, the horrific, the past hurts, the people who have offended us, the people who have upset us, the people who, who made decisions that affected us, they didn't really realize how they affected us, it makes us mad. Broken relationships, beat down finances. When we talk about looking at our past, we lots of times look at the negative. Paul here is looking at some of his past and saying, this is positive. Whatever you have the boast about, I got more. He's looking at the positive, and how is looking at the positive a bad thing? Because sometimes, church, listen, sometimes focusing on our past and we liked it back then, it causes us to resent where God has us now. Did you check? Did you catch that? Sometimes looking on the good aspects of your life and how good you had it 20 years ago, I was 75 pounds lighter. I, was not, I mean, I had lots of good things back then. I enjoyed things more then. Why can they be that? Well, it causes you to resent and miss. Staring in the rearview mirror of your past, it causes you to resent your current situation and miss what God has planned for you in the future moving forward. Oh. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to always look in the rearview mirror of your life. Some of our memories inspire us. They encourage us. They cause us to move forward. They give us strength to persevere. They build our faith. Those memories are great, but let me tell you, a rearview mirror is meant for one thing, a glance. It's not meant to be your focus. A rearview mirror is meant to glance at, to make sure you're good from time to time, to let you know you're, you're okay on the path you're traveling, but it's not meant to be your focus. Why do I know that? Because the rearview mirror is this big and your windshield is this big. I got that from a guy who came up to me last night and said, you'll like this. So I said, I'll use it tomorrow. Paul is saying, forget. He said, press on forgetting what lies behind. Look at your neighbor and say, press on forgetting. But he calls us to do something else. The next word says, straining forward. Oh, straining. 
Straining doesn't sound encouraging. Straining doesn't sound like a, a fun thing to do. Straining sounds like work. Straining forward. What's Paul talking about? Starting again, verse 9. Let's back up. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and I may share his sufferings, becoming like him in death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. He says that I may share his sufferings and become like him in death. That sounds like a strain. That sounds like some work to do. After I hit that deer and it's in slow motion in midair, it, it hits the roof of my car. And I didn't what I probably shouldn't have done in the first place, and what I do as it hit the roof of my car, I look back. <laughs> I'm like, where's that deer going to go? I shouldn't have looked back. I shouldn't have looked back because I got to see more horrific. Because those two ladies in the car behind me, when the deer hits the road, they hit it too. <sighs> Why did we do that? Why did we keep going back? Many times of what we just left that was difficult and beat down. Why do we do that? Why do we return to the things that just weighed us down so bad? Why do we go back to, you know, how many times I've heard some ladies say, I don't know why I just keep going back to that same kind of guy. And I know it's not going to turn out good. Or I don't know why I keep trying to get this promotion at work. It never turns out good, and I just end up defeated. Why do we keep going back to the things that God said no to already? Is it because we're comfortable? Is it because, hey, at least I know the outcome. If I do this, I know it's not going to turn out good, so I don't have any good expectations going in. Because I'm comfortable there because, hey, who likes the unknown? No one. Because straining to the future requires faith in what's next and what's unknown. Straining to the future requires work. For me, driving that car that night, I had to strain a little bit. Now, bear with me just a second, because I had to strain on no one is going to fault me to call into the fire department and say, hey, I've had a wreck. I'm, I'm going to just stop. I won't be able to go out there and help them. I need to check out my car. I just hit a deer, and they big deer. So if I could pull over the side of the road, I could check my tires. I could make sure the radiator isn't crammed in and busted and running out because let's face it, if you run a car for a little while without radiator, you've got a seized up engine. This was going to cost me a whole lot more if I continued, right? It could. So just because I know that it might cost me more if I continue on, 
than what I really want to pay, do I strain on? Do I keep going? No one's going to fault me for quitting, right? Because it's a tough situation. This is what Paul's talking about. Jesus said it this way. Matthew 16, 24. Jesus, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In this scripture, this Matthew 16, 24, I see what Paul is saying clearly in Philippians 3. Jesus is saying, let him deny himself, forget about it. No matter what you've done, forget about it. Deny that in your life. Take up your cross. Every image of Jesus packing his cross up the hill is not an image without straining. That, what Jesus said in Matthew, Paul is repeating in Philippians. Deny yourself forgetting. Take up your cross straining. Jesus is saying the same thing to you. Let's look at this really closely here. Notice those words, deny himself. Take up his cross. Here's what I realized in this study and where the story took me. Our mirrors in our life, the rearview mirrors in our car, our vehicle mirrors are the only mirrors in our life that's made to look backwards. The rest of the mirrors in our life are made to look at ourselves. Is this not what Jesus is saying? This is a very real image of Jesus saying, step up to the mirror. Who you see in there, deny what he wants, his desires, his wants. Deny that. Deny his past, his beat down sinful past, or his greatness in his past. Deny yourself. It's repeated in Mark 8 and in Luke 9, it says it this way. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily, is what it says. This is truly an image of you standing before the mirror when you get out of bed in the morning and saying, it's not about me today. It's not about me today. It's about taking up my cross. Oh, I've always, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, to bear the cross of Jesus. Like, no, Jesus' cross was his. This cross he's talking about is yours. You know why I know? Because it says, deny himself and take up his cross, little h. He's talking about you, your cross. What's the cross you have to bear? Jesus had a cross to bear. It's his calling in life that he would die on the cross for your and my sins. His cross was a really big cross. But each and every one of us have a cross to bear. If you are called to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you're called to deny yourself and strain each and every day bearing the cross that God gave you. God gave Christ the cross of redemption that redeemed us and gave us salvation. He gives you a cross each and every day to bear, whether it's in your home, in your workplace, in, in your marriage, in your family, in your friendships, or maybe some of you are called to pastor or, or be missionaries or minister in some way. We're all called to minister. 
Every single one of us. We're all called to ministry. We're all called to daily take up our cross, place it on our shoulders, and strain forward in faith. Paul is calling us to look at your current situation. Look at your current situation. What is the cross that you're bearing right now? Maybe it's in school and some friendships, or maybe it's in your family, or maybe it's with people you you don't know yet. Has he called you to something? And he's saying, deny all that stuff that keeps you bound up, that keeps you tangled up where you're at, and look past yourself right now, and look onward. What's he calling you to do? For me, it was a calling to continue forward. Not worry about the possible broken plate on the front of my car, or the cracked radiator, or the dented hood, or the crammed in bumper. Not worry about any of those things because those things could consume me and stop me from pursuing the call that God stopped me from looking at my situation like this but look toward the calling like this because the windshield's twice as big as a rearview mirror. I had a calling that night. The battalion chief had called me and said, hey, can you help? I had a calling. It was emergent. It was a life or death situation. Someone was dying. Could you help? Each and every one of us have that same kind of calling. You're like, wait just a minute, Pastor Trent. I'm not a paramedic, I'm not a fireman, I'm not a police officer. But every single day of your life, you are around people who are dying and going to hell. You have a calling. It's emergent. It can't wait. It requires you to strain forward, each and every one of you. It may be in the workplace. It may be at school. I don't know where it is. It's your calling. That's why it's your cross. That's why you have to take it up and strain forward. But it is a life or death situation in every single sense of the word. More importantly than a life or death situation here on earth, because we're not talking about living here. We're talking about eternal life. Your call is a big deal. Your call is a big deal. It's important. It's life or death. And Christ has called you to take up your cross, to deny yourself. Paul asks us to respond to the calling in your life, but not like this. Where am I at right now? What's God got me doing right now? Because Paul calls us to look upward, to look upward back to the Philippians 3 scripture, starting at 13 again. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on. Look at your neighbor say, press on straining. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is where it hit me that this was different. I had always thought the goal was the end. 
The goal was the end. The goal is what we get when we're done. That's the prize. The prize, the goal of the prize, right? And that's where I always stopped in the scripture. That's where all the posters stopped. That's where the coach at halftime stopped. But it says, to the upward call, the prize is the upward call. The prize is right now. It's a calling that you're living in. It's a call to look upward. Your call is present. Your prize right now. Take joy in the fact that not everyone in this world, a matter of fact, few people in this world would be called of God to receive Jesus' death on the cross as their salvation and receive the call to share it with others. Scripture is clear. More will go to hell than to heaven. The prize, the goal, is the call that God has placed on your life now that he would call you and give you that calling to share the gospel with others. That's the goal. That's the prize. Now, that's great. And it also reminded me of another scripture from my sports past. If you look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, and I'm sure you've heard this many, many times. But therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin. Let's, uh, that sounds like forgetting to me. Let's lay aside those things that would hold us back. That sounds like forgetting. Let's lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance. Endurance sounds like straining. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, that is upward. The founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand, at the right hand of the throne of God. Now that is the ultimate prize. But your goal and your prize is to live out your call. Jesus said, take up your cross daily. It's to live it out. What we don't understand, Paul's call to an upward calling is revealed in the scripture a couple times. Looking to Jesus, that's upward. It also starts out, the scripture says, therefore, since we're surrounded with such a great cloud as witnesses, I... For the longest time as a kid, I thought that was about, hey, you live right, run in your race because people are watching. Well, it is, but the therefore, the first part of that means you have to go backwards to see what he's talking about. And he's talking about the spiritual fathers in scripture who have answered the call and they're watching. They're cheering you on in the race. There's an upward call. They're calling you Run the race with endurance. Pick up your cross. Strain forward. Look upward. Press on to the future because the future is bigger and brighter. The future is so much more. We had to forget what lies behind, even some of the good stuff, in order that we can be present in our call right now, that is the prize. 
That is the prize, that God would choose us, that he would choose you and me. Now, I wish I could say I jumped out in my car and took off out to that cute girl's house, but I walk out to my car and I'll, well, I didn't look when I first went in. I just took off, ran inside because, you know, it's an emergency going on in there. The car could wait now. I come back out and I look at the car and I'm like, oh, the plate's in good shape. Good. No dented bumper, no crushed in hood, no broken radiator, just a lot of hair. I mean, there was deer hair everywhere. This deer, like, got to be, like, hairless or something. I mean, there was hair everywhere. And it reminds me that how often is a calling in our life like that? That we look at the strain and we face forward only to push through to the calling that God has given us for something greater. Now, things might get a little hairy in between. Okay, that was bad. But ultimately, on the other side, we come out unscathed. We come out better. We come out greater. Because I guarantee you, you follow the upward call of Christ in your life. He's calling you to something greater. The windshield's bigger. He's got big plans. He's got big plans for you. He's got big plans for me. He's got big plans for Pathway Church. And I'm so excited that I get to be a part of it. But can I have a get real moment just a second? I got back in my car that night. And I did it again. I got in my car and I turned around and I went back. I didn't know exactly the spot in the road that it happened. I didn't know if I was even going to find this deer. I didn't know if he was going to be in a ditch or if he was going to be in the middle of the road. I didn't know what I was looking for to really see what I was looking for a naked deer. I don't know. But it was easy to find because there was a set of headlights pulled over to the side of the road. And I pull up and the deer is, is on its front feet. Its back feet are... It's, broken from below the waist down, so his back feet's on the ground. It's not going to survive this. And lo and behold, I get out of my car, and guess who is pulled over the side of the road? Two ladies. Because they did what they thought every good person should do when you hit a deer. Stop! So they stopped, and they were looking at the deer. The same time I pulled up, a guy, a friend of mine, he worked for the police department. He pulled up behind me. He's in his, he's in his private own vehicle, and he's in plain clothes. He's not on duty. He walks up behind me, and he says, hey, Trent, what's going on? And I said, well, and these ladies interrupt me, and they say, man, that's crazy, man. He was in this black car. He blew by us at 150 mile an hour. He didn't even pay attention. He just hit that deer, and he kept on going. Can you believe that? And guess what I had to do? I had to own it. I had to own it. I had to say, yeah, that was me. That was me. You should have seen the looks on their face. Because they were not talking nice about me. I had to own it. And the real reason I came back that night is because I knew 
what happened wasn't going to be survivable. And if that deer was alive, I had to put it down. And Steve knew that when he pulled up behind me. He goes, hey, Trent, um, do you have a you have one in your car? Because I went off and left mine at the house. I never do that. And I said, yeah, he, Steve knew me. He'd ridden with me before. Yeah, same place, yeah. So he goes walking back to my car to get my gun. And those two ladies go, what's he going to do? And I said, well, we got to put this animal down. This is not survivable. Trust me, they did not look in their review mirror when they put their pass behind them. They got in their car because they didn't want to be there for that. Steve walks up, no joke. Steve walks up, the deer looks at us and goes, and falls over. We didn't have to put it down. But many of us are like that. We have to go back sometimes because whatever's in our rearview mirror is going to continue to haunt us. It's going, in many cases, continue to suffer if we don't go back and put it down. That means we sometimes we got to go back and we have to look at a family member or a brother and say, sorry, didn't realize my actions were going to offend you like that. Didn't realize that I was focused on the wrong thing. And I'm sorry. If not, lots of those things are going to continue to haunt you in your life. Paul gives a warning in that scripture. This brings it to me. At the start of that scripture, Paul says, look out for the dogs, or deer. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Look out for those that would remind you of your past. There's an old Carmen song I always loved when I was a kid. It's kind of a scary song. But in the end of it, they're talking to the devil. Because the devil's greatest weapon against you is to remind you of your past. If you don't go put it down, he will always bring it up. The devil, the enemy's greatest weapon against you is your past. If you don't put it down, he will always bring it up. And he said in that song, if, if he reminds you of your past, just remind him of his future. Because that's where we're supposed to be looking. Ahead, what's Christ got for us? So tonight, as a, or this morning, as the worship team comes, they're gonna play in just a minute. When they start to play, that's gonna be your cue, but our calling to respond today is, is different. Uh, yes, if you have things in your past that you need to stop focusing on and you would like to pray with someone, there will be prayer partners over here at this altar over here. Please come and pray with them. They're here to pray with you. If you wanna pray by yourself, you can pray at this altar over here. Go ahead and stand because I'm going to change it up just a little bit. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, if you don't realize the cross that he picked up and he strained on and he bore for you, if you're here today and you need Jesus Christ and you say today is the day that I accept Christ as my personal Lord and savior, I would love to pray with you right up here. I would love to celebrate with you what God is doing in your life. 
but here's where the call is a little bit different. Today, some people need to respond by doing a couple other things. This is the only time I'm going to give you permission to really just take off and leave during the close. Because maybe your call needs to be a phone call. Maybe you need to leave today and you need to find some quiet place in this building or on this ground and you need to reach out to someone in your past that you need to say, I'm sorry. This is haunting me. I'm still in the review mirror of my life and this comes to me all the time and it's holding me back and I need your forgiveness. I need to put this down. Maybe your response today, maybe it's not even all of that. Maybe, and do this. I want you to do this when the music starts playing. Maybe your response today is a walk across this room to a brother or sister that sits here that's part of this body, part of your church family, and you need to put your arms around you and you need to say, I'm sorry. You need to say, I, I didn't realize. So today as we respond, the response is different, but respond as they play.
I've always heard it said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It only eats you up. Forgetting requires forgiveness, sometimes of others, sometimes of yourself. Pressing on requires faith. Church, God is doing big things. In your life, you look out the big windshield. He has great things planned for you. If you press on in faith. So church, today, we step beyond the threshold and we press on in faith, go in faith.